0: It is Monday, January 20th, Martin Luther King holiday, J.C. Sherbert here with you, ITG Daily, Inside the Gamecocks Daily, a lot to get to today, it's a holiday, Um, so uh, sort of trying to hit the sweet spot with this lunchtime release here, Um, recording, I was traveling, and uh, if you guys are familiar with the weather we've been having in the Midwest and Southeast, you certainly understand that you know sometimes that's an adventure, but glad to be here with you today. Lots to talk about Gamecocks, men's basketball team, huge win uh, this past weekend. I think on the podcast on Friday, I called it a must-win, um, and I hate that. I hate must-wins because I don't really think such a thing exists. I've seen teams... Rally, you know, lose games that you're like, well, that just put a dagger in their season and then they come back and get an improbable victory, that type of thing. But, you know, coming off that Kentucky game, I talked about, you know, missed opportunities that happened in football this year and that we thought had happened in basketball this year. And they did because you follow up the Virginia and Clemson wins with a loss to Stetson. And then you start Oh two in the league, all that goodwill sort of goes out the door. But Gamecocks, uh, after the win over Kentucky, I thought the, the second half against Kentucky was one of the best halves of basketball this team's played this year. Uh, I thought that they carried that over against A&M. Every time AM would make a run, uh, the Gamecocks would respond. I think that's kind of a, an allegory for sports in general. It's not necessarily what happens to you. It's how you respond to it, and this team responded pretty well. 16 3 pointers. I think you take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Jair Bolden, who didn't even play against Kentucky, thanks in part to injuries to uh, an injury to Trey Hannibal, and then TJ Moss had a death in the family. He had to miss the game. Uh, we certainly hope everything's okay with TJ and uh, his family and all that. You know, you come back and you know Bolden responds. Uh, 19 points, a lot of big shots. I, I thought he played well on defense as well. You know, just seemed to be kind of in command uh, of his game, uh, and not just out there throwing up launching shots, which uh, sometimes Jair has done that this year. And so I, you know, hats off to him because I think he's a good enough offensive player and a good enough player in general to help this team. You know, you you, you got a situation where in a basketball season guys kind of ebb and flow and it's been to the extreme this year with guys going through bad streaks and not playing as much and then playing and uh you know frank martin say what you want but benching him for a game letting him watch and relax kind of like steve spurrier well we're gonna let him rest this week you know I i think that that uh got his attention and That's had to happen with him a couple of times this year, and he's responded well. I thought the Virginia game was a game, uh, Clemson and Virginia, where Jair responded, hit a lot of big shots. I think he can help this team. And I mentioned after the game against Kentucky that, hey, if if these guys like Jermaine Cousinard uh, can keep playing at a high level, and Jermaine did. Uh, He was very instrumental, played really well in the game. And then you can get Bolden and Lawson (laughs) to come along. And and how about A.J. Lawson? Um, You know (laughs) – Say what you want Uh, about his year and his sophomore slump. You know, he seemed to kind of get out of it a little bit, even though he's only played 16 minutes because of some foul trouble. And uh, the foul shot discrepancy against the Aggies left a lot to be desired, by the way, 41 to 8. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man! <laughs> and uh, you know, so he was—he was the big target of it. They got him for a couple of—I think what I thought were kind of tiki-tack offensive fouls and things like that. But you know, he, he in a big moment in the game, you know, AJ Lawson steps up. You know, Mike Kotsar, uh points-wise, uh, isn't going to jump out in the box score, but he had eight assists, and a part of that was kind of the way. Uh, Frank Martin chose to dial up or draw up. Dial up is kind of a football term, and I'm a helmet head, so I apologize to all you basketball purists out there. Draw up how to attack the Texas A&M press, uh, the three-quarter court deal that they do. I, thought, I think one of the most underrated aspects of Coatsar's game sometimes is the way he can pass the ball and distribute it. So really nice win um, and without Trey Hannibal, T.J. Moss, or Keyshawn Bryant who went out three minutes into the game. Um, 81 to 67. Right now, that's a Q3 win. Uh, if you look at the resume, um, the margin of victory helps because they calculate all that. Gamecocks went to 98th in the net rankings. That's, that's not good enough, and I'm going to break all that down here in a second. Uh, but, hey, you know, if you lose that one, you're going to plummet. And, you know, you've you got some tough games coming up, you know, with an opportunity to really boost the net. Uh, Next four, you know, I always kind of look at basketball in terms of next four games Uh, at Auburn, Vandy at home, at Arkansas, and then Missouri at home. Uh, All of them winnable, all of them losable. (laughs) Uh, Vanderbilt is not very good. Uh, They went down to Tennessee by 21 at home. Uh, They're missing their best player, and uh, it looks like another long year in Nashville. But, you know, Missouri – Got up off the mat and beat Florida a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Arkansas and Auburn have been among the highest-ranked teams according to the NET uh, in the SEC this year. Both those games on the road, obviously a shot for a Q one or Q two victory. Probably solid Q one with both these guys. So um, on the road. So that's uh, that's the deal. Auburn. Has lost two in a row now. That's the opponent coming up this week, Wednesday night, down on the Plains. Uh, Lost to Alabama on the road and then lost to Florida by 22. Scored only 47 points against the Gators. Uh, So they're reeling a little bit. Gamecocks may be catching them at the right time, Um, if if that's the right time. You know, sometimes (laughs) the right time against a good team is when they're kind of cruising and, you know, you go in there and sort of play better than – you know, you anticipate, and you're better than they think, uh, and then they go down. Um, sometimes it's not good when their backs against the wall. You know, Bruce Pearl is going to be real fired up and trying to get his team back on track. But over the years, South Carolina's played Auburn very well, uh, and that's no secret. You know, it doesn't mean every time Frank Martin faces Bruce Pearl, he's going to win. But uh, the Gamecocks, even last year in the SEC tournament. You know the Gamecocks played pretty well against a team that was ended up being red hot I mean they beat the Gamecocks they got that that kind of thing taken care of because they had lost during the regular season. They went on, blew through the SEC tournament, and then went all the way to the final four and probably should have won that final four game um, you know it was a tough loss uh, for Auburn last year out there in Minneapolis but you know, uh, that, that's an opportunity coming up. There's, there's four big opportunities. And I'm going to talk about the resume a little bit. Cox 10-7 and seven overall, 2-2. Two and two. God, it would look good if that was 12-5. and five. You know, those bosses to Stetson and Boston U are just, I mean, gigantic. Keep in mind with the net, they calculate winning percentage. You know, even if it's two wins over two teams that aren't very good, Winning percentage is a big chunk of it, and so you know the Gamecocks obviously would be a little higher um, if they were twelve and five right now, but they're not. Can't do anything about that. Ten and seven overall, two and two. And these are like my rough calculations. Um, If I am wrong or off by a game or so, please forgive me. But Q one wins. Gamecocks are two and three against Quadrant One, I guess. One and two against Q two. 2-0 2-0 against Q3 and 5-2 and two, uh, against Q4. That's not going to get it done. You know, right now, that resume numerically needs a lot of work. I mean, you know, I think when you look at it, again, if it weren't for those two losses, you'd say, well, they're 12-5. You, know, you got three Q1 losses, including two on a neutral court, a couple of Q2 losses. They beat Clemson at Clemson, Virginia at Virginia. Um, and they're undefeated against Q3, Q4. That's a strong resume. That's a resume that can take some losses, and you know you end up looking at it down the stretch. But right now, you know that's uh, that's not going to get it done, and maybe even for the NIT. So the Gamecocks have work to do. And uh, this is going to be a captain obvious statement, but I, I think that you know you just maybe got to not pay attention to that right now. And just go out and win, win, win. You know, the Gamecocks would be better off focusing on the league standings <laughs> and getting back into the mix for the SEC, just finishing in that top four, um, than worrying about the net right now. Because if, if you don't win, it's a moot point. You know, you, you can't. Lose any more games, you're not supposed to. You got to win a bunch that you're, you know. I'm not gonna say a bunch, but several that you're not supposed to win. That you're gonna be an underdog in. Gamecocks were an underdog at Texas A and M. Um, it boosts the resume. You know, I continue to think that if they can get to 13 and five in the league, which is doable, it's it could happen. Eight and ten could happen. Seven. I mean, it. You know, you just don't know with this group. you can get a 13 and 5 in the league I think at that point the Gamecocks are in you know depending on the mix of wins um you know you go in and you don't get any more Q1 wins and stuff that's going to be bad but uh you may have to win some in the SEC tournament which has been not kind to Carolina under Frank Martin but you know you go through and uh, you know, I think thirteen and five has to get them in. I, you know, and thirteen and five may be good enough to win the league this year, just because you know you've got, um, you know, a lot of teams that are kind of shake them up in a box and pull them out. South Carolina included. You know, I watched Kentucky this past weekend play Arkansas. The game was right after the game, Cox. and you know, I was impressed with Kentucky, and I'm impressed with Arkansas this year too. I mean, they can shoot the ball. Uh, John Calipari gets thrown out of the game, <laughs> and rightfully so because there were some pretty rough calls. Uh, but the Wildcats go in there and get a big win, seventy-three sixty-six. The more Kentucky wins, obviously, um, for right now because the Gamecocks own a win over them. That's that's important, of course. You play Arkansas here in a couple of weeks out there anyway. Uh, Virginia got a big win at Georgia Tech, snapped a three-game losing streak for them. They're, you know, South Carolina people need to pull for them and Clemson. I know it sounds taboo to say pulling for Clemson. Clemson lost to NC State 60-54. to But you need those two teams to be ranked as high as possible uh, in the net. Um, Houston played Wichita State. Game prices have lost to both of those teams. Wichita, though, Their ranking is high enough to where it's going to probably stay there. Houston, because that game was in Columbia uh, when the Gamecocks lost by 20 to the Cougs, you probably want them to kind of boost their resume. They won by 11 at Wichita State. Big win for Kelvin Sampson. George Washington beat USC Upstate 83-67. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Gardner-Webb beat USC Upstate 83-67. George Washington played UMass. I remember back when the UMass win was a big win. And it was a big win because it's on the road. And, you know, they played pretty well. Uh, George Washington wins 75-51. Again, Gamecocks have played both of those teams. I think because the UMass win was on the road, you probably want UMass to be a little better. But, you know, who cares? Fresno beat Wyoming 65-50. And those are all the opponents that I think I've tracked. I I didn't get a Cleveland State score or a North Alabama score, but... I don't know that those matter as much. Um, I don't know that any of it really matters but uh, <laughs> in terms of some of the, the lower-rated teams. But, you know, good win for the Gamecocks. And uh, a um, good win out on the road. Like I said, right now it's a Q3 win. A&M plummeted uh, down to the 140s. But I, don't, yeah, I didn't think they were bad. I, I thought Texas A&M didn't play well against the Gamecocks. Um, I didn't think they were a bad basketball team, though. And I, I think that when you look at them, they're, they're what, two and three in the league right now. They beat Ole Miss, beat Vandy. You know, they they could surprise some, some teams. They only lost by four to LSU. Um, they could surprise some teams this year. Buzz Williams is a heck of a coach. And so, eventually, that's probably going to end up being a Q2 victory for the Gamecocks. But right now, sitting at Q3. So... You know, that's where the resume's at, and, you know, you can only play who's on the schedule. Um, and Auburn is going to be a big game. Um, that's a chance to go on the road and, you know, do some good things. If you think about this, too, South Carolina this year in men's basketball and true road games, they're 4-1. and one. Um, The one loss was a one-point tough one at Tennessee, Uh, where they could have won the game. They were up by eight in the second half. So this is a good road team. (laughs) All things considered, (laughs) they're good at uh, winning on the road on other teams' home courts. So that's a positive because you got Auburn and Arkansas uh, coming up here in the next four with Vandy Missouri. Um, You go 4-0 in those, which I don't know that I would call that likely, but again... With this team, anything is possible. <laughs> uh, and then you're cooking with grease because you're sitting there fourteen and seven and six and two. All of a sudden, the winning percentage goes up, the net goes up. I think getting to six and two, eight games into the conference schedule, um, if you, even if you know, I think the next game is Ole Miss or somebody after Missouri. Let's say the next five, you get a seven and two halfway through the conference season. I think, I think you're sitting in good shape. Um, But, you know, hey, most teams that would go undefeated during that stretch would be in good shape. So it's not – you know, that's not telling you something that uh, you don't already know. But uh, I think that, you know, one game at a time, that kind of thing, every cliche you could possibly imagine, I think is pretty much um, relevant uh, to this year's South Carolina basketball team. And, hey, at least they're still alive. You know, every win they they get – You know, without going on a losing streak again, um, the Gamecocks are still alive. And that's what you want. You want meaningful basketball in February in terms of making it to the NCAA tournament, and I think they can do that. All right, football recruiting this past weekend. Pretty good junior day, uh, I would think. A lot of good players coming in. We were starting to learn more. Of course, I'm starting to learn more about the 2021s. I don't like to get too far ahead with um, recruiting classes. That's just kind of how I am. Um, Because I like to kind of see the players going into their senior year, you know, through their junior year and then evaluate whether or not they're worthy (laughs) of some of the ratings and stuff like that. But I'm going to start as hypocritical as it sounds by talking about a 2022 guy, Gunnar Stockton, quarterback from Rabin County, Georgia. You've heard all the connections with Mike Bobo uh, and his dad and also with Connor Shaw and his brother. Rabin County right across the the border from Oconee up there in, in northeast Georgia in the mountains. Lee Shaw was the head coach there for a while. Really turned them around after he was at Flowery Branch. Went up to Rabin and took them to a state championship. I mean, I'll tell you how impressive that is. That's that's not a school that you're going to have a ton of athletes at. Those schools in the northwest Georgia mountains. And when I first started my career, before I went to Rivals, um, I was a newspaper guy, and I worked at the Gainesville Times in Gainesville, Georgia. And I covered those teams, and they were terrible <laughs> talent-wise. I was like, man, how are these guys going? I mean, so going to Rabin County and – And I'm not talking about, like, Banks County and Commerce. You know, of course, Banks County was where uh, I think Terry Allen came from. Um, And some of those schools, Elbert County. uh, Clemson had a guy, Tyshon Dye, that came from there, Um, who I believe, yeah, you know, so Tyshon Dye came from there. And um, I, uh, you know, I'm not talking about those schools. I'm talking about, like, Rabin County. Pickens County, White County, uh, all across Gilmer um, County, that's in LAJ, Georgia, all across the top of Georgia, you know, they love football up there, but it's, it's tough. Those are tough jobs on the high school level. And uh, Lee Shaw went there and turned them around. And now they happen to have this quarterback who's special. I mean, you know, according to the rising junior quarterbacks, We know about, Um, you know, this kid's special. And uh, I think that it's a good thing. Like, things are just kind of coming together for the Gamecocks um, with that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think even with, I don't know, even with the connections there, you have to keep in mind of this. You know, South Carolina's feeling good. They've made a pitch. Um, He's young. Uh, Quarterbacks do commit sooner. And others, um, but <laughs> Gamecocks were four and eight, and you're going to see the the hot seat talk all off season. I think you know because you got to have somebody on the hot seat out there. These guys love to do those lists, and you look around the country and you know well, who kept their job. Well, Will Muschamp kept his job, and he was four and eight, and it's year five, and so that's that's going to be how other schools counter. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, you got all these connections," but they may not be there, and so that may end up throwing a wrench in it. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there that you know that's going to be a battle that everybody's going to have to uh, keep an eye on. I mean, that's going to be the counter punch because I don't think. All these other schools are just going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, he knows Bobo. And, uh, you know, his brother's – I mean, his brother – his coach's brother played at South Carolina and is on staff now. And, ah, we're just going to let him go to the Gamecocks. (laughs) That just doesn't happen. Um, But still, I I think that, you know, you you need a quarterback. you got to have a quarterback. Uh, I thought Dan Werner did a good job recruiting Ryan Helensky and Luke Doty into the program. Uh, I think the Gamecocks are in good shape there. And this is 2022, not 2021. But but that's what you want to do. You want to have them lined up. Line them up, have them come in, compete. Some will transfer. Uh, That hadn't happened yet. Jake Bentley, of course, I think, you know, Jake Bentley obviously transferred. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, that's what you want. If you're going to build a winning program, you cannot do it without a quarterback. That is just not going to happen. Um, A lot of schools. Uh, struggle, you know, when it comes to that position. Um, So Gunnar Stockton, great visit. You know, talked about how much he liked it. Uh, People said it went well on the inside. You know, so we'll see. So I want to talk about some of these other guys to visit. But before I do that, I'm going to rewind to 2020. Henry Parrish commits to Ole Miss. I can't say that surprises me. Um, I felt like the Kevin Smith connection there... Uh, and the newness of Lane Kiffin being at old Miss and the way they recruit and the fact that, you know, you can – if you're Ole Miss right now, you do have a counterpunch to South Carolina. You know, I mentioned the hot seat talk before. Uh, but I also, I also think you can point to Marshawn Lloyd and say, oh, that's their guy. You know, you can come be our guy. Um, and I, I think that – and, uh, you know, Kevin Smith, I think, you know, as a running backs coach, he can point to – having a guy in the NFL from FAU, which I think is impressive. He can point to his own NFL experience. Of course, Thomas Brown has coached a lot of great running backs as well. But uh, I think, you know, that's kind of the, the idea there is that it's not like he just walked out there and didn't have a relationship with that staff. Um, and so the comfort level situation and all that's there. I cannot completely rule out a flip. I believe that flips happen, <laughs> uh, especially with South Florida kids, but you know what? Henry Parrish did not commit to South Carolina after his visit, He, but he did commit immediately to Ole Miss, so I would lean towards it's over, but you just never rule anything out. You don't rule anything out anyway in recruiting, but... With this specifically, I'm not going to rule it out, but I wouldn't get your hopes up. I think the Gamecocks will start looking around for, you know, other options at running back, maybe a grad transfer, something like that. I think that's probably going to be in the cards uh, if you're South Carolina. Uh, moving forward, uh, Jordan, Dingle, Jordan Dingle, tight end, uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, home of D.L. Moore. Uh Visited this weekend, uh, has some connections to the Palmetto State, like South Carolina, has been a guy they've been on for a while, watched his film. It kind of reminds me of Justice Cunningham a little bit, um, maybe a little faster in the open field than Justice was coming out or Justice ended up being. But Justice Cunningham ended up being a really good tight end. I mean, and, and part of why he was so good, uh, was he played physical, blocked, took a lot of pride in that. I see that a little bit on film with Jordan Dingle. Um, you know, open field guy, uh, probably a little faster. You know, 6'4", 230 is what he's listed at um, on his profile. Uh, he weighed in at 210 at the National Combine for the what used to be the Army game. Truth is probably somewhere in between. Uh, I don't think weight is a, is a big deal when you're talking about prospects that you know aren't going to be on on campus for a year a year is a long time to put on weight or to lose weight I'm living proof of that (laughs) at 43 years old so these guys can definitely put on the weight or take it off whatever you want Uh, but I like Jordan Dingle I think that's a guy he's rated as a high three star per 24 7 sports composite number two player in Kentucky you got to watch the in-state Wildcats there and Ohio State Uh, is another team that's in there trying to get him out of Bowling Green. Um, And so those are the two early schools that the Gamecocks will have to battle. You know, Kentucky's been very successful the last few years. Um, Probably within the state, they have a lot of momentum. And, of course, Ohio State's one of the best programs in the country. It's right up the road. So you got to kind of watch that there. Uh, Another tight end, Lake Wales Sefner Christian Academy school I've never heard of, although I know where Lake Wells is and where Sefner is. Uh, tied in Michael Trigg. You know, 6'4", 200 is what he's listed at. Watched his film. You know, doesn't have blinding open field speed. Probably, I don't know. If he and Jordan Dingle raced, who would be faster? I don't know. But I like the way he catches the ball. Um, has a lot of offers. You know, big athletic kid. You know, certainly think the Gamecocks are, are in the mix for him. Um, you know, I, we'll see kind of how the tight end board shakes out because you do have a new tight ends coach in Joe Cox uh, right there. Thad Franklin, a stud running back from Miami, Shamanad Madonna, Akeem Auguste's school. Um, always puts out players. <laughs> Former Miami commit, real early, committed really early to Miami. And I always say, you know, those kids that commit really early to Miami – You just got to keep recruiting them because a lot of them, especially when they're from Miami, they end up thinking, well, I want to go away for school. Um, Relationship with Thomas Brown, uh, this would be a huge pickup if the Gamecocks were able to pull him. Um, I'm curious to see how long they can stay in the mix. I think the longer they stay in the mix and he keeps coming up, the better their chances. Uh, and, hey, if he committed early, even better. Because <laughs> the staff has shown they can keep guys committed and in the fold. Really like Thad Franklin. I think, you know, as we move forward in this class, I think you're going to see a lot of people singing his praises. Is a big-time running back. Good size, good speed. You know, certainly think that uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, and that would be a huge get. If the Gamecocks ended up with him, offensive lineman Cedric Nicely. I talked about Gainesville, Georgia earlier, and of course the Gamecocks got Makius Scott, defensive lineman out of Gainesville this past cycle, and looks like they're in on another one. Cedric Nicely, big six foot four, three hundred pound offensive lineman. Gamecocks were the first to offer. Gamecocks are in good shape there. This is one of those guys. Eric Wolford has gone and evaluated and really likes. Um, I think the Gamecocks are in great shape to land him uh, as we move forward. He's the type of guy too, that, and I'm not predicting this because I haven't seen him in person. He's the type of guy too that you know as he goes to the, the Nike camps or the Spark camps or whatever Under Armour camps, and he gets exposure, exposure, and the one on ones, and people can see how athletic he is and stuff. He may he may get up, move on up. You know he may end up by the time the next signing day gets here with you know a handful of offers, and then in the spring he's a guy that could get ten, fifteen more offers. And Gainesville because you know that's where Deshaun Watson played, that's where Blake Sims played. Uh, they get a lot of foot traffic uh, from recruiters. So, Cedric Nicely, big offensive lineman out of Gainesville, Georgia. Going on down the road from there, go down I 85 a little bit to Grayson High School. Vic Twan Brown, big defensive lineman. Um, probably had as much good to say about the visit for junior day as anybody. I think the Gamecocks right now be in the driver's seat for him. Uh, like him off the edge. I uh, think that, you know, he's a guy that could be a buck. But um, also could grow uh, into a more traditional end. I don't see him being a tackle because he's kind of taller and leaner. Uh, but good-looking player, you know. I, I'll say that you know his three-star rating right now is probably accurate, high three-star guy. Uh, but he could be much better than that. Uh, at the end of the day, always good to get guys out of Grayson. Justice Boone, uh, who's probably I think the top player in state right now, out of Sumter, big defensive lineman. Another really good visit to Carolina. Um, I think the Gamecocks will end up with him. Um, Probably be their first in-state commit or one of their first in-state commits. So things keep right on rolling with Justice. DeMarco Williams, a defensive back. Helmer Granahan on the Big Spur had a good update with him. Versatile defensive back athlete. Watched some of his offensive film. Uh, Thought he was really quick. quick Quick-footed, and that's good. That's what you want. From a defensive back, he's out of Atlanta Westlake High School, uh, which is no stranger to producing top talent. Uh, and he had a good visit. So, you know, that, those are just some of the visitors that were on campus for the junior day this past weekend and guys that I, you know, looked into and did a little evaluation on and wanted to share that with you. And, you know, Carolina's top two or three for every one of these guys. Um, so, and that's kind of how it's going to have to be. You, you got to look at the 2021 class. Kind of like a like you're panning for gold a little bit. You're going to have a lot of names, and, and, and this is smart. I think the staff's going to throw out a big net this year uh, because the in-state numbers are down. Uh, you're going to have a, a, a holy war in the state of North Carolina for a lot of those players. Uh, because that state's loaded. Everybody knows it. Georgia's going to go into there. Clemson's going into there. Bama's going to go into there. Florida's going to – I mean, everybody in the country is going to hit up North Carolina. And then you have the Tar Heels that are very, you know, resurgent. Um, their, their season ended about as good as it could. Beat NC State and go whip Temple in the bowl. Uh, seven and six, which is a really good start with a win over the Gamecocks and you know they have a lot of ammo. Mac Brown knows how to recruit and his staff is very, very good. Um, so you're gonna fight a holy war up there for guys in North Carolina. And so you know, you probably need to, to cast a wide net. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Gamecocks this cycle and this is just my opinion. Um, I wouldn't – you know, we we talk about the Alabama, Virginia, Tennessee. That's kind of the secondary recruiting area outside of the four main states. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Gamecocks land three or four uh, out of those various states, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, Virginia, this year, just kind of – to kind of backfill the numbers. And and I think, you know, getting guys out of Alabama that Alabama and Auburn pass on or whatever – that's that's not a bad deal. <laughs> There's been a lot of good ones come out of that state that played at South Carolina and elsewhere that ended up being really, really good. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad deal. Never think it's bad to recruit Virginia and Maryland, D.C., uh, that area, if you're South Carolina. And certainly the state of Tennessee has produced some players that have come to Carolina that have you know, been pretty good. Hate that they missed out on Reggie Grimes. Uh, again, sources are saying that, you know, that, that ship's kind of sailed right now. But uh, still, you know, that that's the, the numbers for those three states every year, your target number's one to three. Um, and if you look at it, you know, you, you got one from Virginia and one from Alabama this year, shut out in Tennessee, that's fine. Um, and then you can, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's D.C., Delaware, whatever, so that's kind of that, that uh, Atl- mid-Atlantic region. Um, so you still hit your numbers. Uh, I think this year it could be four or five, you know, just because of the numbers in state. Of course, I'll say this about in state. seems like every day you're, you know, there's a guy pop up here or there, you know, like, like normally happens. And, uh, you know, so we'll see kind of how that ends up going. But, um, you know, those are just some guys that uh, I kind of like, you know, lots of activity with the tight ends. Uh, and that's to be expected with Joe Cox coming in and, You know they'll reshuffle the board or whatever, and you know then of course Tony Morrell reports today Bobby Bentley and Mike Bobo are out looking for quarterbacks for 2021. Um, Based on what I'm hearing, Colton Gaultier, uh, the kid from Georgia, I don't know that he'll be the quarterback in this class. Can't completely rule it out because I can't completely rule out anything in recruiting. But um, I think they're going to kind of go in a different direction and look for some other guys uh, as things stand today. You know, just looking at kind of what the plan is and what I've been told on that. All right. So basketball later this week, obviously recruiting right now, you know, 2021 is going to come into focus more uh, between now and signing day, and then you never know who's going to pop up for 2020, and we still have another signing uh, period left, and of course... You know, Alex Huntley and Jordan Birch have not signed, so <laughs> you always got to be on the lookout for that. But I uh, I continue to hear that they're going to end up at South Carolina, and that you know maybe the worry about them not signing or whatever was a little overblown. But you know, you're talking about those two guys. I mean, you'd be if you're Georgia uh, or LSU, you'd be an idiot not to continue to try to go in. I mean, why not? Take your chance. You know, you may end up with a good player. So that's uh, that's kind of how I see that situation uh, in moving forward. But we'll track it for you on TheBigSpur.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another ITG Daily, and uh, we'll be talking about more basketball, more football recruiting, maybe a little football, that type of stuff. Appreciate you guys tuning in uh, as we – change the format on this thing a little bit and and get you more stuff more frequently, uh, especially from yours truly each and every weekday. This is JC Sherbert. Thank you for listening and we'll holler at you guys soon.